Good morning. How are you guys doing? Is everybody okay? You're all looking good. That people are blessed. Blessed and highly favored. Highly favored. God is good. God is so good, man. I tell you. Um, you know, my personal schedule, I want to kind of let you know, I'm going to go uh, tonight up to Flagstaff, and then from Flagstaff, I'm going to go to uh, kind of the border of Utah with about 29 other pastors uh, at Lake Powell. I can't remember the name of it. I've never been there. And uh, we're camping, and a bunch of pastors camping. That just sounds awesome, doesn't it? <laughs> a bunch of leaders yelling at each other to put up their tents? I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> Do what? Lots of coffee. Yeah, lots of coffee. Lots of coffee, lots of stories. But anyway, it'll be great. And uh, um, uh, in fact, a couple of pastors I'm going to stay with tonight. So God is wonderful. And then Wednesday, uh, Pastor Jay Brown's going to bring me back here and uh, maybe I can make it for service. And then on Thursday, we are flying out to Hawaii. So we'll be gone seven days. And I just need you guys to pray. Pray, pray, pray. Uh, travel. I believe in praying traveling mercies. Oh, seriously, you guys know what's out there. And, and uh, God uh, is wonderful. He protects us. And since uh, all the angels work overtime for me, they're, they're always trying to protect me and keep me safe. But it's good. Um, this morning, we're going to talk about establishing purpose, and we're actually going to look at two different scriptures. I want to put your uh, uh, you know, finger in Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 14, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, and then uh, we're going to turn probably to Acts chapter 8, 26 through 27, so Acts uh, chapter 8, 26 to 27. And this is the E of discipleship. And we're going to be doing establishing purpose. Um, one of the number one questions I get when uh, discipling people and talking to them about the salvation in Christ and once they've accepted Christ is, okay, now I'm a Christian, now what? You know, what is God's real will for my life? What is his will? And we're, we're going to center on that this morning, the will of God uh, in establishing purpose. What is the will of God? Hopefully this will, will help you. So is everybody at Romans chapter 8, verse 14? Um, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, are the sons of God, or the sons and daughters of God, the children of God. Now let's turn to Acts chapter 8, 26 through 27. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes uh, down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he arose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, uh, opian, a eunuch, a court of official of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who is in charge of all of her treasure. Let's pray. God, open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear. Speak to us and speak through us, Lord. Speak to us, God, I pray. In your holy name. And everybody said? Amen. Now the disciple we're using this time is Philip. And Philip is a disciple that Jesus called. We're also going to talk about this Philip in Acts chapter 8, which some theologians believe that this Philip might be a different Philip. Um, Philip the disciple 
was uh, called with Andrew, was called uh, by Jesus to be his, uh, one of his 12 disciples. And then we know about this Philip, we call Philip the evangelist, who in Acts chapter 8, they introduce you, but they introduce you a little bit to him in 6 and 7, because he and Stephen were uh, waiting on tables. They were helping the widows and the poor. And then Stephen is the first one that is stoned and killed for the gospel of Christ. And it says about this time, then that's when, and that is at the end of uh, chapter 7 of Acts. And then at the beginning of uh, chapter 8, it says then Philip begins to do what we read today. He begins to evangelize and go because of the persecution. The will of God. Before we talk about the will of God, I have to <laughs> ask you this question. Are you willing to accept the will of God? I have people ask me all the time, what's the will of God? I want the will of God. But are you willing to accept the will of God? Or does the will of God kind of sound like your voice and you uh, moving things as long as it's good, but then if it's bad, then, uh, oh, well, God help me. I need the will of God to work it out. So before I talk about accepting or, or, or doing the will of God, I'm going to ask you, are you willing to accept the will of God? Amen. What if he's decided for you to be in your job for the next 10 years? Are you willing for him to accept? Are you willing to accept the will of God? What if he's saying that you've got to live in Phoenix, Arizona for 10 more years? <laughs> Are you willing to accept the will of God? It, the, the will of God is not uh, destructive to you. The will of God is not draining to you. The will of God will propel you and put you in the right places. But before we start even talking about the will of God, my question is, are you willing to accept it? Here, here's the first point of what we're going to talk about. Number one, if you want to know the will of God, number one, you have to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You have to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verse two, 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. When I say you've got to be willing to be conformed to the image of Christ, I must be saying that you're not already. Right? Does that make sense? If I make that presumption. If... You have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or even if you have, every day you're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Once you have accepted Christ, let's say you've not accepted him today, you're unsafe, and you say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. Jesus is really talking to me. I'm confessing with my mouth and believing in my heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. I accept him. At that moment, you're being conformed to Christ. And I know that all of us, day by day, are being conformed in the image of Jesus Christ. Um, you see the cross over here, and um, everybody wants to have WWJD. What would Jesus do? 
And Jesus died on the cross for humanity. So sometimes when we're being used, when we're being abused, we think that that's not right, but yet Jesus died for humans, for mankind. He died to the will of the flesh. He died to being married and having a wife. He died to so many things. I don't have time to tell you all the stuff he died to before he died. He literally, physically gave up his body for humans. And for you to know the will of God, you have to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Why? For God, how many of you guys know this one? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his own. Wait, that he gave his only what? That he gave his only what? How many of you guys are, are guys? And 2,000 years ago, there was a bunch of guys there. But that scripture says, are you ready for this? This is deep. Come on, people. Only begotten son. Jesus, mm, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The, the, the relationship, the family origin, the DNA of, a, uh, of, of being a God child was broken in the garden through the first man and first woman. And it was never reestablished until Jesus Christ, for God so love the world that he gave his then John 1 12 says but as many as received him to them gave he the power to become sons and daughters of God Amen. Amen. wait a minute the only one but if you receive him you become the sons and daughters of God <coughs> point number one <laughs> We must be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Supernaturally, by his spirit, when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, we become a child of God. How many of you guys have children? Do you know where they are right now? And when you don't, you kind of grab them by the back. <laughs> Why are you crawling under the chair right now? We know where our children are. I don't know where your children are, but I know where my children are. But as many as received Jesus Christ to them, gave you the power to become the sons of God. Let me get a little deeper into this. Point number one, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. To seek and to save. Jesus said this. I have come. If you want to be in the image of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, I have come. Everybody say, I have come. I have come. To seek and to save. Oh, pretty good, but let's do better. I have come. To seek and to save. What have you come to? What is the will of God? To seek and to save the lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Because as many as believe on him, to them gave he the power to become. Now you're grafted back in. Now you are in. You are a child of God. And as a child of God, you realize that there are some lost uh, family members out there. And if you are transformed to the image of Christ, you are transformed to seek and to save that which is lost. To destroy the works of the devil and to finish the Father's work. And when you're transformed into the image of Christ, you have the mind of a servant. You are not saved and, and, and brought into the family just to have a title. You're, you are a joint heir with Christ. You are a holy priest to a royal nation that you might show forth the glory of God. All of these things are true. But you're brought in to the family because there is a broken and hurting world. And the way that God has chose to minister to that world at the present time is not how some of us would have done it. It's not how Peter, his disciple, would have done it. As Peter was upset that they were taking Jesus and he cuts a man's ear off. It is not that way. The way that he decided to do it was what Jesus did when the ear got cut off and they're trying to put him in chains and they're attacking Jesus. Jesus takes up the ear and puts it back on the man's head and heals him. The night before Jesus had washed his disciples' feet, God, as making you a child, puts the mind of a servant in you. We were, we, we were into this school uh, for this church right down here, junior high school. And we had a guy named Billy that was our janitor. And I love Billy. He's awesome. And one thing Billy and I knew is Billy had the real power. I, would, I went to eat one time with the principal, but I only went one, one time. I went a ton of times with Billy because Billy had the keys. <laughs> Billy opened up the place. See, you, I hope you guys get this. Some of you don't get this. I'm, I'm telling you, man, the maid at the big mansion that the guy never visits is having a great time at the mansion because she's a servant, but she's actually getting to enjoy it. Billy had all the keys. He opened up the place. He closed the place. He, 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 I had his number. This guy had all kinds of things at his disposal. You guys know what I'm talking about? The servant, the last shall be first. And the first shall be last. Who, who has the keys? The principal didn't have the keys. Billy had the keys. Billy would go in there and, and mop the stuff that the kids had uh, spilt. And he'd go into the bathroom and take care of that and clean that up. And he'd go into the lounge at night. 
and put his feet up and watch the teacher TV. I knew he did. Eat the teacher food. <laughs> so many people have a wrong concept of what leadership and, and, and being Jesus to the world is. Did you know that the definition of the President of the United States is servant of the people? To be first, you must have a servant's heart. You be transformed into the image of Christ. Let me get going. i got to get into some more stuff here. Number two, true freedom. Are you ready for it? I get deeper here. True freedom is love slavery to Christ. True freedom is love slavery to Christ. Disciples are love slaves. A Christian has been delivered from sin. And you guys have heard me say this a lot of times. Bob Dylan sings, you got to serve somebody. It might be the devil, but it might be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. I've seen emperors, presidents, uh, actors, um, uh, big-time sports uh, athletes. They serve somebody. They, they serve popular opinions so that they can make more money. They're always serving somebody. And really, there's only two. And Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon. What he said is, you can't serve God and money. What he said is, you can't serve God and Satan. You can't serve both. you got to serve somebody. And it might be the devil, or it might be the Lord, but you have to serve somebody. So if you have not been serving Christ, I got a bulletin for you, a, a news for you. You've been serving Satan. There, there's no in-between. Well, no, I'm not a Christian, but I don't serve the devil. There's no in-between. You either serve Jesus or you serve the devil. And, and you might be a good person. You, you, on the outside, you're like, well, I'm really good. I don't believe in Jesus, but I'm a really good person. I don't do anything bad. You cannot serve two masters. So you are a slave to Satan, and you don't even know it. And what I'm saying here in point number two is we have to change our master from the master Satan to God, the creator and the father of all life, of everything. You see, the freedom, true freedom, is love slavery to Christ. Slavery to Jesus Christ is marked by love, unselfish choices for the highest of good of God and his creation. Slave has no rights of his own. Romans chapter 6, verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. Let me read that one more time. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life. Now, I've spent a long time on these two points. You're kind of saying, well, maybe they're both the same, but 
I, you know, I talked about Jesus Christ and his transformation, that we have to be a love slave. We have to listen, be willing to do that. Now I'm, uh, I'm going to transition, and I'm going to begin to answer a question that I get asked every week. I get asked all the time. You know, well, what does God want me to do? What is God's will for my life? Point number three, and this is God's will for your life. Point number three, being led by the Spirit of God. Being led by the Spirit of God. A lot of people will say sometimes that, well, I don't, you know, I don't really hear a voice of God. I mean, how do you know? You know, Todd, go right, not left. I mean, how do you, how do you know what God's saying? There is, God is talking all the time. And there is a voice of God, and I want to make it real clear to you. I, just a couple weeks ago, I went to a breakfast, um, and Tommy Barnett was there, and not a, a whole bunch of guys, because it was in the morning. So we got to talk, and we're talking, and, you know, he said uh, all these things. I mean, he, he's had outreaches where there's been 30,000 people. You know, he was able to lead Johnny Castellard. He had a, the largest church here for a long time, Phoenix First Assembly, and now it's, uh, yeah, Dream Center. And it's in nine different uh, locations. He, uh, he had the concept of Dream Center 25 years ago in L.A. And we have even people that have been in our church have been a beneficiary of that, of that church going out and feeding and everything. And my son has uh, some good friends, and this guy is leading worship now, who they lived in the Dream Center for a year and a half uh, in L.A. And they take about 400 people in this huge hospital it used to be this huge hospital that renovated and they spent like $60 million and they paid it off. And all because this little guy just kept following God. And he said he didn't hear a big voice, but he could, he could hear the will of God. And I want to explain to you how you can hear God's voice without maybe hearing an audible voice. Here we go. Um, being led by the Spirit of God. The voice of God is speaking all the time through the word of God. The voice of God is right here. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Okay, so I live in Miami, Arizona, and I'm a little kid, and we're having a service. I don't know how old I am, maybe eight, nine, ten. And I go outside and I start preaching. And I'm outside of a little tiny church preaching the gospel to nothing but trees and grass. And I'm like, I'm preaching to all the world. And then this year, I got to preach at um, two graduations in India and uh, a bunch of different churches with uh, interpreters, uh, hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands of people. But it came out of that little church that I was at seven years where I would just go out sometimes outside. Yeah, you're saying amen. That's right. That I would just go outside. You know why? You got to, you, you, you have to grow where you're planted and go where God sends you. But you can't go until you grow. Somebody say amen. amen. The whole Bible, reading the word of God, the voice of God is sure and kind. And many times the voice comes from within, the center of our being. You can just hear inside of you, this is something we should do. If you hear 
a voice inside of you and, and all of a sudden you hear another voice. And the first voice you hear is, go to church. And the second one is, no, just stay home and watch TV. Guess which voice it is. <laughs> it's the voice of God. Sometimes it's a lot more simpler than we believe. But you can't get to B before you do A. You have to do A, then B, then C, then D. How do I know the voice of God? Well, I never read the Bible, but I want to know the voice of God. Well, what about reading the Bible? Okay. Never mind. Okay. Visions and dreams. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. I want to talk about visions and dreams. Dreams that God gives you will be realistic and have important value. Usually they are short and not rambling. Um, they are definite impressions made for certain action. They leave one awakened to God's claims. Visions are easily distinguished from uh, uh, physical reality. Okay, so you know, I, I'll, I'll give you a for instance for a vision. Um, this church at one time was on 6145 North 36 Drive in Rose Lane. And in that church, there's a, uh, there's a Hispanic church that's doing a great job now, and it's still there. But you can go to that church, and they have windows, and there, were, uh, there was uh, these drawings on the windows. And so one day, I'm in the uh, front of the church and praying, and I'm sitting there praying, and there's a, uh, well, I say drawing, but it's, it's really a, a glass. It's stained glass. And the stained glass, it's in the shape of a, of a big uh, sword. And, and so uh, this sword came off of the stained glass. So I kind of knew that wasn't reality. You know, you, do you guys understand what I mean? But I saw it come off the glass, and it hit on the top of my head, and it went all the way down, dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow of me. And it came inside, and then... A bright light came out of my eyes and my hands. So I saw that vision clearly, and it, and it stacks up to the Word of God. For the Word of God is sharp and powerful Amen. and piercing to, as a two-edged sword, the soul and joints of the marrow, and, and, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Right? Uh, look it up. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. But that came off and came alive to me. And I saw that if I would get his word, and I memorized his word, I get his word, that I, I would become alive and I would become bright. That's a vision that I had. And so that vision is not a negative vision. That's not a vision that is a bad thing. That's, that was, to me, a vision that I had. And I was awake. I wasn't sleeping. I was praying. And uh, sometimes I fell asleep when I prayed, but not that day. I was standing up, and, and that, that happened to me. So that, that's a for instance. Okay, visions are easy to distinguish from physical uh, world. Visions are not drug-induced. So I didn't have a joint before I had that uh, vision. I didn't have a whole bunch of beers and alcohol before I had that vision. But 
People all the time have visions on LSD. I have had some visions on morphine and, and different drugs before. I have. And they were not good. They were bad visions. Uh, they were bad. And I had them because I was in surgery or I was on what I uh, had to have. And I could see things walking across the, the floor and doing things. I'm like, ah! And, and, and I'm awake. So I want to, and you, a lot of you are laughing, but it is a big thing right now for people to smoke peyote or whatever and then say, hey, I got a vision. That's not the way to induce that vision. No, 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 no. Your vision should be of a sound mind and a sound body praying to God. And I'll go into more about what uh, the visions will and have too. There should be three biblical backings to every vision and dream. Somebody say amen. amen. The, when you have the vision or you have a dream, and you have a dream is really real, you should have scripture in the Bible that backs it up. It should be backed up by the word of God. God is really smart. He's really awesome. And he knows how to do this thing. And he can give new with uh, establishing still the, the boundary and the line that he's always established. So his his visions and his dreams to you will not be contrary to the word of God. No, they will fulfill the word of God. In fact, when Jesus came, he didn't come to uh, destroy, but he came to fulfill the, that the Ten Commandments now would be on our heart. They wouldn't be, have to be on a tablet or a tablet of stone, but now they're on our heart. They're on our actions. They're on who we are and what we do. Okay. Being led by the Spirit. Um, in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20, it says, To the law and testimony. Being led by the Spirit must always be in scriptural precepts. So, pastor, I'm led by the Spirit to marry your wife. No, you're not. No, you're not. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You are not led by the Spirit to marry my wife. Um, the, 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 the scriptural um, uh, word of God will, will be in your... Thy word have I hid in my heart that I would not sin against you. Lord, your word is in me, and as I walk it out by being led by the Spirit, I will have biblical and scriptural precepts. It never breaks God's law. Being led by the Spirit never breaks God's law. Uh, being led by the Spirit confirms the conviction of the heart. Um, I'm sitting in this breakfast with uh, Pastor Barnett, and he's saying how he's done different things and everything. And, 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 you know, he, he'd heard God, and I'd heard God, hey, you ought to go to that breakfast. And then Dr. Roy Sherian is at the breakfast, and it's even a, a plus for me, because I love him, he's my buddy, and we get to hang out. And then he tells me, and he told uh, Pastor Barnett about uh, a guy over there in India right now is a pastor there's, there's still in a prison. It's a really tough prison. We need to pray for him. Uh, because, and the reason he's there, because he broke the law. Um, he baptized someone, and they got it on video camera. And so um, he's in a really tough prison, so we're praying for him. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't know if 
he's led by the Spirit, but he's in prison, so we're praying for him. And then I'm like, well, maybe that is God, and then we see all this stuff going on in India, but then I'm sitting here in this little breakfast going, okay, I'm trying to be led by God, and I'm a pastor of an incredible church with beautiful people. You guys are beautiful, handsome-looking people. And it's like, why am I here? And then they start talking about slave sex trafficking, and that here in Phoenix, in the place that they have set up, is one of the largest one in uh, the, uh, the nation. And that they're taking these uh, people, and, and not all just ladies, ladies and, and, and guys, off, uh, that are, have been uh, slaves, that have been, uh, you know, that are being beat. And they're taking them off, and they put them in this facility that I was in, this closed facility, and they're taking care of them. And in January... We are going to be in a walk of 10,000 people who are going to walk for this cause that they're uh, raising money to, to uh, take these people and give them a safe place and, and, and to, raise it, to get them out of the slavery that they're in. And they, they turn away what I'm understanding about two people a day they'd have to turn away because they don't have a place for them all over the nation. So we're working on that. That's an awesome thing, right? Amen. Well, I hope you think so, because we're going to give to it, and we're going to march, and we're going to get awareness to that. And so here I am. I get a little email. says, hey, come to breakfast. I go to breakfast. We get involved in that. I get a touch base with Pastor Roy, who I'd only met a few months earlier, who did, I got an email from him to meet him. I met him, and then I end up in India. Is anybody listening to what I'm saying? Is that you can be led by the Spirit of God, but I'm led by the Spirit of God. I show up here at church every Sunday, basically because I have to preach. No. <laughs> I, can, I, can I be truthful with you? We go to Dunkin' Donuts, and we were going to Dunkin' Donuts one morning, because I want to bring some for the people that come early. So I bring a couple of donuts. I thank so much for Ken who brings uh, donuts. And, and uh, he brings it from his place. But uh, I sometimes I go to Duncan to get a couple for people that are here early and setting up. And so anyway, I went to that place. And um, the, the lady goes, hey, you guys are dressed up. I think I had a jacket on. I go, yeah. Do what? It was Norman. Oh, sorry. It was Norman. Hey, you guys are dressed up. And uh, no, I was a lady because of the story that I'm in. <laughs> yeah, wrong story. It was a lady. It was a lady. And, and she, says, she says, where are you guys going? My wife goes, oh, we're going to church. And I go, well, I'm still debating it. I'm not sure if I'm going <laughs> to. And I was honest. I was just being honest. Have you ever felt like not going to church? Anybody? Don't raise your hand. No, but... You ever, I mean, I would just, you know, it was one of those days. And I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm going to go, you know. And then my wife said, well, he has to go. He's the pastor. <laughs> and he's the only one that has the message. And I'm like, and it was a great Sunday. I enjoyed that Sunday. You don't always feel, uh, you know, these goosebumps and great feelings about things that are going to change your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You never know. You don't know. You, but, but because you have put Jesus first, 
you get into that position and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is awesome. I had no idea and I wanted to sleep in today. But God leads us by his spirit. Okay, grow and go. Grow where you're planted and go from where you're planted. And now we're getting finally into our scripture about Philip. Um, Philip is uh, serving tables and he's doing his job. And, and uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees and a lot of these uh, religious leaders, they get up and they're upset. And they, it's, by the way, guys, it's always about this. It's always about the money. And there's money that is being taken by the new Christians and given for food to uh, serve the widows and the orphans. And the church is not doing their job and they aren't paying that money out because they have their own big palaces and their big places. And so they're taking a big offering and they're not giving to the poor. And so the poor are being taken care of by this Christian movement, which they had been against because they literally crucified Jesus. So they couldn't be behind it, even though it was a giving unit and it was helping people and it was blessing people. It had to be of the devil because they weren't behind it. And so they then confronted them and Stephen stands up and he goes, oh, you guys who crucified Jesus. And then he goes into a long, yeah, somebody went, yeah, it's true. And he went into a long thing about how Jesus came and he's perfect and he died for them. They got so mad, it said they literally gnashed on him with their teeth. They bit him. They bit him. They were angry. They were so angry. And they stoned him, and they killed him. And Philip's going, uh, you guys want something to eat? Oh, they're killing my brother. Oh, man. And then they're going to turn around. Guess what? And guess who was at the middle of all that killing? A guy named Silas, a guy named later whose name is Paul. He was, Paul had led everybody there angrily, and, he, and all the clothes were being thrown at his feet. Later, he gets saved and turns around. But he is there at that moment, and Philip goes, huh, I guess I better go evangelize. So then he leaves, the Lord leads him out into a desert, and he goes into a place that doesn't make any sense, except that there is a road that runs from that place up to Jerusalem. And at that time, a carriage is going uh, with, uh, you know, being carried by a horse or whatever, and the carriage is moving on the... And so Philip goes, look at that, and he starts running. And he runs, he goes, what you reading? And the guy goes, well, I'm reading this out of the Bible. And he goes, oh, it's interesting you're reading that because here's what happened. Jesus fulfilled those promises, and he's like, hey, get in. So he gets the guy in, the guy gets in, they're riding in the carriage. And he tells him that Jesus Christ so loved the world and he came and he came to earth and he lived 33 years and he loved people and he gave his life and that this eunuch needs to be transformed, that he needs to become a slave of Christ, that he needs to be led by the spirit. And the eunuch says, yeah, I agree with you. How do we do it? And like the brother that got thrown in jail in India for doing this, Philip stopped the, the carriage and said, look, over there is a puddle of water. There's some water right there. He said, let's get out. They get out. He says, I want to baptize you. 
Because, you know, my Jesus, he said right before he left, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I didn't know why I was out here in the middle of the desert, but now I do. Now, this is important because history uh, even follows this, that Queen Candace, this guy had the money. He operated all the money for her. And we know that when you get a person with money saved, it's a good thing. Everybody say amen. amen. It's a good thing. Because then they realize what the money is for. Money is not evil. The love of money is evil, is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is a great thing. And God goes right after the guy who had a charge of everything that the queen had. He had in charge of that. So he baptized him in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He brings him up, and it says, Then Philip was transported. He, how many of you guys, well, I shouldn't use it. Well, okay. You ever watch Star Trek? Well, something like that happened. Philip disappeared, and he ended up in another place, and he, and he was preaching the gospel. Because he accepted Christ, he prayed in the upper room, he received the Spirit, he stayed in Jerusalem for years, he waited on tables, and then he had to leave because people were getting killed, and then he ended up in the desert, and he told a person about Jesus, and they got Jesus, and then Jesus says, okay, that's good, now I need you over here. And immediately he was transported to another area. And you're like, well, that's never happened to me. It can happen to you. I've heard of people, of miracles and great things that has happened to people, and it's all by following Jesus, growing and going. Amen. Grow where you are. Out of this church, people, uh, a lot of you can end up all over the world. Right? Say amen. All right. I got to wind this up. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope, establishing purpose. God wants to establish purpose in you. And you have to grow where you're planted. I don't like my job right now. Okay, pray to God about your job. Pray that you'll love it. You'll love it incredibly. You know why? Because the moment that you love it incredibly, he'll move you out of it. It's really cool. <laughs> pray for your church. Well, my church, it's just not big enough. It doesn't do enough things. It's going to explode and be huge. And you know what it'll do? He'll move you out of it. <laughs> because God will do what you are praying for in your heart, but not the way that you think it is. God, his love is for human beings. He wants souls saved. And even if it makes you uncomfortable, it's okay. Because you're going to have a brother and sister in the kingdom of God who wasn't in the kingdom of God yesterday. For today is the day of salvation. 
What is God's will for your life? To save and to seek the lost. To be a servant. To love him with all your heart, mind, and soul. To, to fixate and love and worship him. I, I'm not that smart and, and, and I, that talented, but it sure does sound like it when you read some of the places I've been all over the world and different things. I was thinking about it even this year. I was handing, handing bachelors and masters and doctorates in two different uh, you know, places and handing it to them and praying over them and thinking, I'm not a master or a doctor. <laughs> and they put in way more work and everything. But the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And the servant of God, no matter how high we go in, in status, when you serve, God will lift you up. Humble yourself in the side of the Lord and he will lift you up.